Hey, this is Charles Hayne. I'm here with Recky Tech, which is all the film gear news you need to know so that you can go out there and keep making your movies. So there's three big pieces of news this week, which is April 3rd, 2019. The first, which has been dominating all of the news cycles, is the Alexa LF Mini. So for those of you who don't know... Aerie has been a dominant camera maker for a century. They were very dominant 35mm. They've been very dominant in the digital space, right? At the high end of digital, there's like Sony Venice, there's Panasonic Faircam, there's Red, and then there's Aerie Alexa. Every year when you're looking at the Academy Awards, there's always like five out of five shooting on Aerie Alexa or like four out of five on the Alexa, and one of them shot 35, maybe. And then even when you look at something like Sundance, Sundance is completely dominated by this camera called the Alexa Mini. You look at Sundance and it's like, there's some Canon C300, there's some RED, and then there's like Alexa Mini. It's a very dominant platform. The big reason that everyone loves this platform so much is not resolution, right? If you want raw resolution, you can go out and shoot a RED that gives you 8K, you can get a Vericam, which is a wonderful camera that gives you 4K. Traditionally, Alexa's only given you 2.5K. So Alexa's whole take has been, we're not going to worry about resolution. Resolution's overrated. And I somewhat agree. Like, I work every day on a 20-foot screen here at Fierstein, and I put up 4K stuff on a true 4K path. And I've put up 1080 stuff in a true 1080 path. And it is very hard to see the difference on a 20-foot screen. So it makes me really wonder if I can see the difference on a 55-inch screen. Uh, Some people say they can. I've seen 8K screens that I was like, I don't know if that that looks that different. So it's, uh, it's a personal taste thing. However... Alexa's whole thing has been color science, color science, color science. They're going to give you the best skin tones. It's going to give you the best reproductions of your product. It also really has a really nice, pleasing sort of grain texture built in. So everyone's always loved the Alexa for that, but they've been very frustrated that you couldn't use the Alexa primarily for Netflix because Netflix requires a true 4K original. And uh, Aerie has a smaller camera, the Aerie Amira, that did full 4K although it was internally up but they never really had a full 4K Netflix-ready camera. So, about a year ago, the Alexa LF came out. I saw it at NAB last year. They took two of the original Alexa sensors, turned them sideways, smushed them together. You can even see a seam down the middle, which I think is on my Instagram. And you uh, could get real 4K out of this bigger sensor. It's called the LF for large format. It's slightly bigger than full frame. Alexa had an earlier camera, the Alexa 65, but that was rental only. You saw that on like big Hollywood productions, but the Alexa LF was really the, all right, you're going to see a lot of these. What's really interesting to me is that so quickly after the original LF, they came out with the LF mini. Um, I think the LF mini is going to be a huge camera in the independent film market. I think in two years, you're going to see half of the features in Sundance shot on the LF mini. The perks of the LF mini, physically smaller size, right? It's a smaller body, so it's going to weigh less. It's going to be a little cheaper. It's also going to be a little easier to power. The full-size LF pulls a lot of draw. There's not a lot of batteries built for it. A lot of people are going to use, like, shark fins, where you can mount two batteries on either side, and then up voltage in order to get an actual power draw out of it, or you're going to end up using wall power or a big old brick, whereas the Mini is designed to take, a, like, a little onboard battery on back. The drawbacks to the Mini, and there are a couple... Are one, it's it's like one giant fan. Like if you look at pictures of it, I'll post a picture on the Insta. It's like fans on the back and fans on the side because those big sensors are going to kick up a lot of heat and the LF is going to want to keep things really quiet. And the bigger full-size LF body, not the LF Mini, doesn't feel as fan-dominated. And I feel like you're going to actually probably have quieter operation and more reliable operation because it's not just a giant fan. On top of that, you're also going to get 
higher frame rates out of the full-size LF. I think the full-size LF can go to 96 and the normal can go to 60 or something. Slow-mo is a big part of your game. You're going to want to go for the full-size LF. Also, it's going to be a more popular studio platform, by which I mean it's going to have, it has three SDIs out. You can apply different LUTs to each of those SDIs. It has internal wireless built in, so you don't even have to attach a transmitter. The transmitter is built into the body. You're going to get a lot more of those features that, like, when you're on a TV show, when you're on a feature set, when you're out there in a situation where you're not handheld all the time, you're going to appreciate the LF. It's a heavier body than the normal old Alexa. It's certainly heavier than the LF Mini. But I think that regular working cinematographers that aren't in the super indie space are going to really like the full-size LF. However, let's be real. The LF Mini is going to be most people's experience shooting the LF for the first time, getting that bigger sensor experience. And it's exciting that it is going to be out there. I think it's probably a little frustrating for some people who wanted a longer lead time. Like they just got their LF. They've just really been shipping in the last few months. They've got their LF and they want like a year of like feeling special with it before the LF Mini came out. On the flip side, Aries a business. They got to make money, and the LF is obviously going to be a huge money maker for them. I think we're going to see a lot of it. You know, when you look at kit split and share grid every year, uh, one of the biggest rental packages is always the Alexa Mini. And one of the interesting things about Alexa is how long those rental legs are. You know, like if you're buying a 5D Mark IV, you've got a year to 18 months to pay it off, but you can really keep renting an Alexa Mini for two, three years, maybe. So I think that it might be a smart move to try and get an LF Mini, get your hands on that early, and you're going to have a while where it has legs in order to pay that rental off. It's still a very expensive camera. Packages are going to run you in the six figures once you put everything together. It's going to be very interesting. One of the flip sides of this is that we're also in this exploding time of full-frame capable Cine Primes. So like, yes, there are the Airy Signature Primes and the Zeiss Supreme Primes out there to be the full-frame, high-end, $30,000 lens lenses. And they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. And they have lens data and they have all of this wonderful stuff. But you can also go out there and get Takina full-frame lenses. Still lenses rehoused for Cine, but still very nice-looking lenses for like $4,500 a pop. The Sigma Cine Primes you can get for like three grand a pop. And they come in a beautiful case and they have a bunch of things. You're not getting lens data out of it. But you're getting some beautiful, pleasing lenses. Uh, Sneaky Pete, I interviewed the uh, DP of Sneaky Pete. They've been shooting that on the uh, red platform. They've been shooting Sigma Cine Prime for a while. So we're in this interesting place where they're usually the fear with a big new package is you're like, okay, I'm going to put $60,000 in the camera body, and then I'm going to have to spend another 100 on glass. You could put 60 in the camera body with an LXLF and go out with a set of Sigma Cine Primes for like 20 grand. You know, around six figures, start building a really interesting package that I think will rent a lot. And then hopefully you'll be able to use on all of your projects. So it's a pretty interesting time, and I'm excited about that. Second big news in the tech space is Apple has finally announced Apple TV, its streaming service. Look, I am pretty neutral on Apple. I've owned like 15 max over my career. When I had a post house, I had like 12 at a time. I think they do a lot of things really well and a lot of things really poorly. I'm convinced that they are taking professional users really seriously again. Like I feel an attention from Apple to the needs and wants of professional users that I wasn't feeling four years ago. So all of that is super exciting. People keep saying Apple's not innovating anymore, but you know, Apple's always done this interesting thing where like it simultaneously innovates, but it also perfects things like there were MP3 players before the iPod, yada, yada, yada. And there were Bluetooth headphones before the AirBuds. But I tell you what, I did not see the volume of Bluetooth headphones. And then within the last year, AirPods are everywhere. And I almost never see a headphone cable anymore. So 
Apple has perfected that Bluetooth headphone in a way that I find really sort of impressive. So Apple's doing cool stuff. I think Apple TV has some real challenges. For content creators, more people paying for content to get made, producing interesting stuff is really fascinating. And I see some interesting creators getting opportunities to make some interesting things. Um, from what I know from behind the scenes, and I don't know a lot, I just you know anecdotally know some people who are making a variety of shows, some of which are announced, some of which aren't. It's interesting people that I'm excited getting to make new shows and, you know, both from the writers and the directors. There's a lot of indie directors who haven't done a lot of television but have done some interesting features who are getting to do some episodic TV on some Apple episodes. So, like, all of that is great. But it's like another subscription. And we're in this weird period of time where, like, if you don't have a hit, I don't really feel like subscribing anymore because I already have Netflix, which for some reason I haven't given up. Mostly for, like, it's 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt catalog. And HBO, which half the people I know turn off in between Game of Thrones, I keep it for the John Oliver. Um, and Hulu, which I keep for the Bob's Burgers. Like, there's one thing that keeps me in each one of them. But the problem that Apple has is it's going to need to have that thing and give me that thing for free in the beginning to convince me it's worth picking up a subscription. And that's going to be very interesting. I'm curious as to what that show is going to be. I'm excited to have more players financing content. It will be interesting to see how they compete with Disney, compete with HBO, and this like very active streaming space. Last gear news of this week is that NAB is next week. And I get a lot of questions about like, I've never been to NAB, should I go? Yes, you absolutely should. Will I have fun? I don't know. I, I don't like Vegas. I have like a 24-hour non-NAB limit on Vegas. I will spend more than 24 hours in Vegas only for NAB. Your first one might not be fun. My first one wasn't fun. My first one, I went with people who'd been a bunch before. I'd never been, and I spent like half the day being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing next. I think of events like NAB the same way I think of film festivals, which is they are the place where you slowly, over time, develop relationships. So you go, and your first year, half the time, is like awkward and uncomfortable, and that's A-OK, and you should just forgive yourself for like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing next. But you keep going, and over time, you meet new people, and you build new relationships, and and... You met a person one year and then you see them again next year. Or it's also the place where we all like get together. So there'll be people I worked with on a job in New York that I haven't seen in two years. And then I'm at NAB and I see him on the show floor and I say hi. Or there's a guy. I lived in LA for 13 years. I did a job with him in 2009. I saw him again in 2018 at NAB and we stopped and we chatted and we did emails and stuff. Because it just is a time where everybody's like open and summer campy and chatty and whatnot. So NAB, your first one, weird, awkward, but keep going. And you will eventually get to know people and it will pay off. There's usually fun parties almost every night. There's almost always some opportunity to get to know a variety of people. And um, you also get to like interact with people who work for the companies that you work with. And also, if you know one of those people in your life who's like, every time you've heard of a new thing, they're like, oh, I've seen that. They're probably going to something like NAB or Cinegear in LA or NAB New York. And that's how they like spend one day and they get to see everything. They've seen the LXLF. They've seen the new Sky Panel. They've seen Boca Lux. They've seen all those things because they wandered around. If you're a close follower of tech blogs, which some of you probably are, you probably know a lot of the things that are already going to be there, but it's going to be your first opportunity to like see it hands-on, uh, put the menus, get a sense of how things actually feel in your hand, that kind of stuff. There's also always new stuff announced. There's also usually hints of stuff for next year. It's also an opportunity to give people a hard time. For instance, vaporware. I love Aperture. They make a lot of cool lights. I think they're doing really innovative stuff. I think the 300D is like a really interesting product in terms of like, I think we're getting to a place with LED where you should be going out with like a three light LED kit. I think Aperture's fascinating in terms of their innovation in that space. But last year, they totally teased my dream light, which is an RGB LED that syncs with a color temperature meter. So I can be like, 
out in a day shoot and I can like color temperature meter the sky and it's orange and then the RGB should match that orange. How cool is that going to be when that's a thing? Um, I also think even if it's not from one company like Hive or Felix or one of those people with really great RGB units should team up with like Illuminati or Sakonic to make that sync happen. I think like this, I've been saying this for two years. I want this so much. They teased it last year, Aperture. They had like a special dinner. We made a video about it. And they said it'd be out in 2018 and it's not. So you get to go at an AB and give Aperture a hard time, which will be fun in a friendly fashion. Uh, the other thing you get out of NAB, in addition to all the parties at night, and there's tons of raffles, and there's an opportunity to meet new people, is there's also a legitimate opportunity for discovery. Um, South Hall's mostly posts, North Hall's VR, which like, meh. Um, Central Hall is like production and lighting and stuff, but there's a big section of Central Hall, sort of like, it's all these weird companies that like don't have press agents and like just show up at NAB, and like two years ago, that's where we found Bocalux, which was like this fascinating Taiwanese lens company, which may or may not be Mavo now. You get to discover all of this new stuff. We met at Illuminati, who make color temperature meters for the first time at NAB. Like, those kind of relationships are all forged in, like, random ha happenstance chat. So, your DP, your postie, your editor, your colorist, and you want to be a director, you should maybe go to NAB. But if you want to be any of the other technical crafts, you should just find a way to make sure you're going to NAB. NAB New York is fine. But it's not the same as NAP Vegas, which is the big show. Um, there's no reason to go Saturday, Sunday. All of those events cost money. And I don't go to any of the events that really cost money. During the week, there's all sorts of events that cost money. But they're like, for like satellite transponder dealers, I never go to any of those. The show floor and the nights. That's what it's all about. And in fact, because of that, they're changing the schedule. Next year, it's going to start. The show floor is going to start on Sunday, which means you live in L.A. You could drive out on Saturday. You only have to miss Monday work. You get a day of the show floor and Sunday night events and stuff. If you're interested in color and the colors mixer isn't sold out, you should get uh, tickets to that. It's a really great way to like meet other people in the industry and stuff that's going on and um, bring physical business cards. I know a lot of you hate physical business cards, but physical business cards are great. I remember one year I was on the flight home from NAB to New York and I was like going through the cards on the plane, looking up people's websites, sending email contacts. And I looked down the row and like, I think two other people were doing the same thing of like pulling up business cards and looking at the things. So bring a stack of physical business cards with you. Be prepared to be changing business cards with people. Yes, you can technically like put your number in their phone, but you put your number in their phone. They're never going to look you up again, right? They're going to meet 2000 people at NAB, but you get that pocket full of business cards you're on the flight home or you get back to L.A. in the drive. And you start flipping through them and seeing what's interesting, what's new, who might I collaborate with, who might I work with. I really recommend you check out NAB. I will be there next week. I'll be wandering around. So if you see me, uh, say hello. And, and then I will maybe make a podcast from NAB. If I don't make a podcast on NAB, I will see you on the other side of NAB. And we will talk about all the cool stuff we saw there. That's been Charles Hand for Recutech. That's been another week in the week in film tech. If you are interested in finding out more about these subjects, sign up for the mailing list at recycast.com, and I will send out an email that reminds you there's a new episode and then has some like links to articles that the episode references so you can get like deeper dive info. Also, please subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you want, follow us on like Instagram at onrecky and like the Twitters and the YouTubes and whatnot. I will see you guys all next week where we'll nerd out on more Weekend Film Tech.